Hey there, it's Ariel Hawani, one-third of the fastest-growing show in combat sports. I'm Chuck Mendenhall. And I'm P.T. Carroll, and together we are 3 Puck. Join us on the Spotify Live app after every UFC pay-per-view and become a part of the best community in mixed martial arts. Or, if you can't make it, check out the Ringer MMA Show podcast exclusively on Spotify. See you then. Love yous. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Think about all the stuff you can do now on Sundays after the Super Bowl's over. Adventurous activities. You need a Hyundai to get you there. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure with features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive. You can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Welcome to the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. My name is Danny Heifetz, and I am joined by Danny Kelly and Craig Korolbeck. First, check out our fantasy football rankings. Our live at fantasyfootball.theringer.com. They are awesome. They are correct. Please check them out. Today, we are doing the 10x guys, a.k.a. who are the guys that can get you 10 times your return on investment. It's like a stock portfolio. We're just going to go a bunch of penny stock, a bunch of high upside stocks here, and you just need to hit one, two, and you, here you go. You strike it rich. 10's approximate, so just don't hold us to that exactly. No, it's 10 exactly. It's not 9, it's not 11. <laughs> it's 10 times. Essentially, the Mike Williams. Who will be the Mike Williamses of 2022? Mike Williams is what? going. He was like the wide receiver 50, 45 off the board last year, and he finished borderline top 10. That's what we're looking for this year. Yeah, it's basically like a whole Wolf of Wall Street episode, except for the point, except for the part where they were just totally selling you... Um, you know, and they went to jail for whatever they were doing. Ignore that part. Just focus on like the sell me your sell me this pen. This whole episode's basically yeah. just sell me this bad player who actually. Can you do the Wolf of Wall Street accent well, Heifetz? I feel like that's kind of right up your alley. Oh, I haven't seen the uh, the movie in in a long time. Um, <laughs> oh man, my name is Jordan Belfort. By the time I was twenty seven years, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, is, is pretty that, good. It's oh, is it? okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Shit, I, I don't yeah. know New York accents. You're the one who should know. Um. I will say $49 million, three short of a million a week. Okay, let's just get to football. (laughs) DK. Yo. Bat first here. Uh, Sell me this pen or just sell me a bad player who will get me a huge amount of money. Sell me a penny stock. (laughs) If I told you I have identified the next Austin Eckler, Austin Eckler, how's that? You actually were Uh, better the first time. (laughs) Okay. The more I try, the worse I it couldn't gets. tell if you were yeah. doing it or not. <laughs> I could tell. It's very clear to me. If I could, uh, if I told you guys that I knew who the next Austin Eckler was going to be, would that would be that would that be something that interests you at all? I'm going to hang up. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm not a salesman, all right. However, I really do kind of like Kenneth Gainwell from the Eagles. Here's why. First off, 
He is going right now as the RB51, 161 overall. So he's basically a late round draft pick, a throw in guy to end at your draft. Here's why I really like him. Number one, not too high on Miles Sanders. I mean, I, I understand that Sanders is going into the season as the starter um, and he'll get an opportunity to be kind of like the lead guy. But uh, from what we saw from Gainwell last year, plus I think the way that the Eagles are going to want to play, the way that they rotate their running backs, I think there's a really strong chance that Gainwell is going to like dramatically outplay where he's getting drafted. Best offensive line in the NFL. Eagles ran 550 times last year, second only to the Titans. Uh, almost 200 more rushing yards than any other team in the NFL, and that was Indianapolis, um, was second. And basically, here's the bet you're making if you go with Gainwell. Gainwell and Sanders take over the running back rotation in Philly. Boston Scott is just not a thing. That If that happens... I think Gainwell is going to go 10x on like basically where he's going. He could end up being like a top 24 running back. We've been on this Miles Sanders merry-go-round now for what, three, four years, DK? Uh, yeah. What are your actual thoughts on Miles Sanders in this offense? I mean, I do think Sanders is a talented player, but he's the one that's telling us not to like draft him early. He's the guy in that backfield that everyone's like really excited about. He goes way, way earlier, obviously, than Gainwell. Um, and I just think he's going to be... He's not going to be bad. I just think he's going to be disappointing relative to where you're having to take him. Does that well, make hold sense? On. You said he, when he said don't take him, I think he said don't take me in fantasy because he hates fantasy football and, and people who play. Well, he hates people bitching at him constantly because he's not getting enough carries. He scored he's zero getting, touchdowns. Yeah, I don't yeah. think that was him saying I'm not going to be good as a fantasy running back and I'll give you poor ROI on your fifth round pick. I don't think no, that that's point. I think that's what he was saying. He's basically <laughs> saying, he said like, look, I can't, I'm not in charge of how many touches I get. That's like, he said something along those lines. Wait, you actually think, oh, I, I'm, I actually didn't realize that. I thought he was saying, just don't take me because I hate you. Well, I think there's some of that in there. Like you could feel you could feel the malice. You could hear the malice in his in his voice, like how much he actually hates fantasy football. Um, however, I think what he was talking about is like, look, I can't promise I'm gonna get three down workload. I can't promise I'm gonna get a bunch of touchdowns, a bunch of catches. And basically what I'm saying here is Kenneth Gainwell is going way further down the board than he should be relative to what I think he could do. Um just looking at the way that the Eagles rotated the running backs last year, Boston Scott, of all people, got 10 rushes inside the 10-yard line last year, which was 14th among all running backs. He scored seven touchdowns in, from rushes on uh, inside the 10-yard line, which was fourth most, tied for fourth most uh, among all running backs. So um, just imagine a world in which Boston Scott's not really involved and it's just Miles Sanders and just Kent, Kenneth Gainwell. Like, those touches could go to Gainwell. Um, he's also, by the way, a really good receiver. He had... 50 uh, targets last year, which is 24th in the NFL among running backs, which is not terrible, obviously, as a you know, fourth-round or fifth-round guy. I think he was a fourth-rounder coming in and doing pretty well. Um, you could see a pretty big jump going into year two. Sounds like he's playing really well in training camp. There was times where he was running with the ones, and people were getting pretty excited about it. I don't think he's going to be the one. To be clear, I don't think he's going to be the starter. Um, but I do think he's going to have a big enough role, and he's going to have the high-value touches in this offense in the passing game, in the red zone, third downs, hurry up. Um, this is what Sports Illustrated uh, Ed Kratz said recently, that that's kind of like they're penciling him in for that role right now. So, um, of course, it's not like a guarantee, but where you're it's getting not? Him, this is, No, it's a guarantee. This is, this is a penny investment. And this guaranteed. is a penny stock. This thing has a chance to actually blow up. Um, <laughs> plus, by the way, if Sanders gets hurt, like he could be a league winner. I like this a lot. You also left out that Kenneth Gainwell's name is literally Gainwell. It's like when do people <laughs> named doctor become doctors or Nominative whatever. determinism. Nominative determinism. But also, it's just eye test. If you watch the Eagles last year, Kenneth Gainwell looks really good. And right. I was, I was going to bring up the eye test. Uh, yeah. 
He graded out well per PFF as both a pass catcher and pass blocker. Crucially, pass blocker. Guys, I know that we don't talk about it very much. But I do. Everyone gives me shit for it. I know. On third downs, um, they're going to trust him in that area. So, I don't know. I just, I like Gainwell. It, he, he's not getting a lot of steam right now, but I think he's a good player and he's in a good offense with a good offensive line and they, they want to run the ball a ton. Um, so I don't know. I'm just really excited about what he can do. Do you think AJ Brown is going to help Kenneth Gainwell? Because Gainwell really excelled last year in the first half of the season when the Eagles were throwing a ton. Mm-hmm. That's where he racked up like two thirds of his targets. And then once they kind of switched schemes and and ran the hell out of the ball, Gainwell kind of disappeared and it became the Miles Sanders show. Do you think the kind of upgraded offensive weapons in the passing game for Philly is going to keep kind of a more balanced offense, which will help Gainwell stay on the field? Yeah, and and I, you know, with the acknowledgement that I said they're run heavy, like there's a chance this team just ends up being pretty balanced as a run pass team, and that's actually probably really good for Gainwell, by the way, because he's the better pass catching back out of these, um, out of these three running backs in their backfield. So, um, you know, that was kind of what he was in college. You know, again, all these guys coming out of Memphis are sort of hybrid running backs receivers, and but he showed that he could harry, carry a heavy load, um, you know, on the ground. But he's also a really good receiver. He's really um, it's funny because I don't think he tested particularly well coming into the league, but he's really quick. Like you can see it in Heifetz. You mentioned the eye test. Like he just looks like a slasher type running back. Um, so yeah, I think if they do run more, plus by the way, if AJ Brown and uh, Devonte Smith are kind of like making the defense account for the passing game a little bit more, that could open up things, make a few more light boxes for them. Um, you know, make dump offs a little bit easier, give them a little more room underneath. So all those things kind of, I think, add up for Gainwell potentially being a lot better than we think he's going to be. I'll buy your pen. <laughs> okay, I'll buy your pen. The, I'll buy your pen. I kept you on the phone just long enough. Yes. We got to bring back the eye test in fantasy football. It's falling by the wayside. <laughs> Nobody gives a shit about the eye test anymore. I'm back I in love, on it. I love the eye it's test. It's important. Yeah. Okay. Well, Craig, there you go. Give us, give us some eye test. I test me this pen. All right. How would you like the number two option on the offense that averaged the most yards per game in the NFL last year? And I mean, that sounds interesting to me. What if I told you he's practically free? Oh, well, that was better okay. than DK's pitch. This man's name, not a salesman. Sorry. <laughs> this man's name is Jalen Tolbert. He is a rookie wide receiver mm. on the Dallas Cowboys drafted in the third round out of South Alabama. He is listed as the starter in Dallas's first unofficial depth chart. The other receivers on Dallas, CeeDee Lamb, stud. Michael Gallup, who tore his ACL in week 17 last year, and he quoted, it's not a reasonable possibility that I play in week one. <laughs> I love the honesty. <laughs> I did too. It's, it's my favorite quote of the offseason. <laughs> J.K. Dobbins put the opposite. Just J.K. be Dobbins fucking reasonable. It's, you guys. it's such a rational thought. <laughs> Their other wide receiver, James Washington, who they signed for a one-year, $1 million deal, just broke his foot and yeah. is out for six to 10 weeks. Uh, Noah Brown, who's been on Dallas for a couple of years. Tolbert's already working ahead of him. And then they have another rookie, Dennis Houston. You know, when we're talking about Simi Fajoko during no. Cowboys training camp, that means that Jalen Tolbert's probably gonna... I don't know who do, that is. ...do some stuff. Who uh, that Simi, is? Simi Fajoko. <laughs> uh, he's a rookie last year for the for the Cowboys out of Stanford. Uh, he's like 25 years old as a rookie because I think he went on a Mormon mission. Um, but anyways, he's getting, he's getting some love in training camp, which to me just says... My God, the depth in this position is bad. And so that is a good sign for Tolbert, who apparently is already running with the ones, which is great. Yeah. And Craig just said that. And he's right. good. I mean, Reiterating like DK, it. 
DK, you should tell me, right? He went to a small school, South Alabama, but he mm -hmm. led the nation in basically all deep ball stats. Uh, the yeah. dominator rating is like a big thing among draft experts, and he had a phenomenal dominator rating. Which dominator rating is essentially the eye test. Dominator rating is a really great name for, this guy was really good, really young. Well, no, dominate. So that's breakout age. Oh, sorry, which is, yeah. I think he was also very good at, but dominator rating is essentially the combination of your yards and touchdowns as a percentage of your team's total. So basically, oh, no, that's not eye test. I heard percentage. <laughs> yeah, it's it's essentially production relative to your offense that you're in. So relative. if you have a really high dominator rating, that means you're like basically your team's offense. And Tolbert was that guy. Um, I'm already yeah. asleep. Tell me how he plays. Tolbert is 6'1", 200 pounds. Like I said, he's he's a great deep threat. And he's looked phenomenal in training camp. He's making plays across the board. Dak's hitting them on deep balls across the middle. Jerry Jones was quoted saying, we have no urgency to get a veteran wide receiver on our team. We like what we have right now. I mean, mm. there's just so much room for opportunity right now. I mean, hell, last year, Amari Cooper played pretty much the whole season and CeeDee Lamb played pretty much the whole season. And Cedric Wilson was still... He had 600 yards and six TDs, was still annoying and like kind of fantasy relevant. I mean, this year it's going to be CeeDee Lamb and it's going to be Jalen Tolbert. And, and, and that's kind of it. Michael Gallup might go on the pup to start the season, which means he misses four games. And, and who knows? I mean, Tolbert, even if he's the number three wide receiver on this team, that's what Michael Gallup used to be. And Michael Gallup was a very fantasy relevant wide receiver. My comp for him was, was Gallup. Yeah, the only, I think in. this is a very good pitch. The only part of it that's borderline disingenuous is the complete erasure of Dalton Schultz as their tight end. Well, but, okay. <laughs> however, I think erasure. that your fundamental point is that you're ex like the, your opening pitch actually is exactly correct, which is Jalen Tolbert is a starting wide receiver for Dallas. And I mean, he's literally outside the top 150. You can just get him with like the last spot on your bench. And like, what if he's good? Exactly. Yeah. All right. I'll buy the pen. Good one. Yeah. I love Jalen Tolbert. He's he's one of the easiest late round picks, in my opinion, who could be a top, I don't know, 30, 25 wide receiver if everything works out. We should add him to the fantasy football, your sleepers tab on the fantasy guide. RIP to Tim Patrick because we had him there. Oh, I know. <sighs> Shit. Craig, you might have already said this, but uh, the Cowboys, 647 pass attempts last year, which was sixth most in the NFL. I love that. They were second in passing yards last year. The Chargers and the Cowboys each had 4,800 passing yards exactly. Yeah. That's aesthetically pleasing. Just 4,800 on the dot. Yeah. I mean, they were six in offensive DVOA. Good offense. Someone's got to catch passes in Dallas. <laughs> yeah. Here's the thing, though. Dallas <laughs> is good. Like, Dak is good. When people say yeah. that, it's usually like about a Davis Mills-led offense or something where it's like, oh, God, someone's going to have to catch passes in this god-awful offense. We call this, we're, we're like, this is like the Mike Williams episode. Like, I usually just look for who's like the, the, the number two or number three option on a team with a really good quarterback that nobody's talking about. And last Love year, it was that. Mike Williams with Herbert. And this year, it's like Jalen Tolbert's just sitting right here with Dak, who's like a top seven, eight quarterback in the league. Yeah. <laughs> Romeo, Romeo Dobbs to the Packers. We're like, is this just the number one guy for Green Bay? <laughs> yeah. Is this just the top guy? I don't know. All right, can I guys sell you, can I sell you a pen? Yeah, please do. All right, remember that time that Lamar Jackson was going outside the top 100 a few years ago, and then he would like mm -hmm. led the league in passing touchdowns and also had a thousand yards rushing, and then was like unanimous MVP. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Do you want to yeah. know the next guy who, who's going to yeah. do that? I do. Kirk Cousins. Yeah, actually, how did you that, know? I don't know if that works. No, it's Trey Lance. <laughs> It's Trey Lance for the 49ers. If I have to pick a single, I'm not saying he's going to win unanimous MVP. However, if I had to pick a single person, like if you literally I'm hanging up on you, tell me he's off, winning the MVP. If you had a cutoff at 100, it, like all the players after the top 100, 
who's actually going to win your league? It's to me, it's so obviously Trey Lance. Like if, if you're just like, okay, which of these players won you your leagues? It's Trey Lance. Because again, my favorite NFL stat as of this moment is that I, I say it all the time, but the quarterbacks with the most passing yards through their first 16 games and number one is Patrick Mahomes. And then number two is freaking Nick Mullins for the 49ers. <laughs> and then it's Andrew Luck, uh. Kurt Warner, Tony Romo. That's what Kyle Shanahan does. You say whatever you want about Kyle Shanahan and Super Bowls, but take away the Super Bowl stuff. Kyle Shanahan is the Bill Walsh of this generation. The same way Bill Walsh changed the NFL with the West Coast offense and it spread. Kyle Shanahan's offense is is changing the league. And what it be, the reason is because it's like the Midas touch for quarterbacks. It, it, it turns bronze quarterbacks like Kirk Cousins into silver, and it turns silver quarterbacks like a Matt Stafford into gold, and it turns air, like gold quarterbacks like Aaron Rodgers into platinum. But most impressively, it turns guys off the podium like Nick Mullins into bronze, and that's what the Shanahan offense does. And so... Can I stop you there? Yes. Because I actually... This is very true, and I believe it, but if you ever struggle convincing someone of this... I would just say it also just doesn't fucking matter if Trey Lance is good at passing because he's going to be running. <laughs> Honestly, he could suck at passing and still be a top 10 quarterback. You literally, that's ex exactly it. Because <laughs> Sorry, basically, did I step even, on your point? But no, but that's the point. <laughs> even if Trey Lance yeah. sucks. As a passer. Carl Shannon once yeah. took Nick Mullins and got him more passing yards through 16 games than everyone except Patrick Mahomes. The pen doesn't even need to work. It's, just, it's a good looking pen. <laughs> I just it's, keep I just keep picturing the Seinfeld episode where he's like, take the pen. Take the pen. <laughs> when he can't get rid of his car because it smells so bad. And he can't get he just leaves the keys. It's like the astronaut pen. <laughs> Do you remember what I'm talking about? Okay. You can write on the moon. I just think it's funny that Take the pen. Yeah. Well, isn't that a thing where like the Americans <laughs> brought pens into space and couldn't had to invent astronaut space and then the Russians just brought pencils? <laughs> That sounds right. Wait, how much money did we spend creating a pen? That could <laughs> I think the number was $11 million, but like back in like the 60s. We could have solved the, the housing crisis, but we needed pens for space. <laughs> and, well, actually, there were problems because if you broke the pencil, like, the lead could get into something and mess up the space. Mm. But that's not as funny. Anyway, I don't know why we're talking about this. The point is that Trey Lance could suck and still be good, but he could also be good and then be great. And that's basically <laughs> what I'm saying because right. he's going outside the top 100. So I'm like an 11th round pick. Who are you getting in the 11th round? Like at that, it's not the first round where like, Oh, what if they're bad? It's like, you're going for upside. And the thing with Trey Lance is he's like the 13th quarterback off the board. That's his floor between the Shanahan offense and just Trey Lance. He had 24 carries in two games last year. I'm not saying he's going to do that again, but Trey Lance could lead the Niners in rushing touchdowns. He could lead all mm -hmm. quarterbacks in rushing touchdowns. Him being the 13th quarterback is the floor, but the ceiling is a Lamar Jackson-esque. Like Kyle Shanahan was there for Robert Griffin when he had his rookie year. I mean, the, the ceiling, he turned, Kyle Shanahan turned Matt Ryan into the MVP of the National Football League. That happened in real life. And so I don't know. I think Trey Lance, again, He's so easy. It's so no-brainer to me. And the fact that you can pair him with Kirk Cousins or Derek Carr, Aaron Rodgers, those are guys outside the top 10 quarterbacks. And it, that way, even if Trey Lance does end up sucking, you still can get Aaron Rodgers and Trey Lance back-to-back. -back. I like the perfect it. I like pitch. everything about this. The only problem with this pitch is that by the time people are going to draft, like, this is, this is the correct sell job by you, and you're right, and I agree with all of it, and I'm really coming around on Trey Lance mainly in fantasy, but he's going to be like the eighth or seventh QB off the board by the time the end of the month comes around. That's that's where I have him. I moved him all the way up to um, like seven for me because I think that 
the upside you can chase again. I'm not saying take him with the 60th pick or the 70th pick, but I'm saying if you wait, if you can get him like 90th, that will look like a reach in your draft. But I completely agree with you. It actually, I think the point where I would take him here, let me pull up my rankings. Basically, I think that there's a lot of high upside. You've got him um, at 72 wide receivers that I think that are, are worth it. And basically, like, look, if Juju's still out there, you want him. If Elijah Moore is still out there, I, I will take him. Brandon Ayuk, who we like for the 49ers. But then there's this stretch of guys who I don't think are going to win your league. Like Chris Godwin, for example, is kind of where we're getting in territory. He'd probably go before Trey Lance, but I'm like, do I want a receiver coming off a torn ACL where I think we'll have more name value than actual play in 2022? I would take actually Trey Lance over Chris Godwin. Um, even like a Hunter Renfro, someone who... I don't think it's going to be like, you know what I mean? Like the, the, the upside starts to tail a little bit. Damian Harris for the Patriots, TJ Hawkinson for the Lions. I could go on and on that whole quarter old Patterson for the Falcons, Devin Singletary for the bills, all that, that like running back to I'll take Lance. Just, just jump the queue. I'll just take him ahead of those guys because Trey Lance can win you your league. And even if you're wrong, all right, well, you can still get Aaron Rodgers if you want, you can still get Derek Carr who will probably be almost fantasy wise, almost as good as Aaron Rodgers anyway. So, Yes, I see what you're saying, Craig, but even if you do have to take him at cost, I think if he's even you take him 80th, he's it's worth it. The only I, I I really into Lance this year and I'm excited about drafting him and in, in the way that I was excited about drafting Hertz last year. Like Jalen Hurts was on many of my teams last year and he did really well. Like he was a consistently an uh top half of the QB one, right? Um the only thing that worries me just ever so slightly is are we overrating how good of a runner Trey Lance is? I think we're being conservative on how good of a passer he is. Like, we're not sure. It, there's going to be growing pains. He's going to be essentially a rookie out there. He's not a rookie, but, you know, he played like two games last year or whatever. He's essentially like a college sophomore in terms of passes thrown in his life. <laughs> yeah, the concern right. is he's throw, He's had like two. I mean, because also forget he was in the FCS, so that season was canceled yeah. in 2020. So the concern is he's played... 260 snaps in like in a game in like the last 700 days like that's not great but again he had a look I actually think sitting for a year in the NFL is underrated like it's important to sit for a year he was going to be raw anyway but again the thing I keep coming back to is the, sh the Niners are all in on this the Jimmy Grapple's not even there like they're not even concerned like Trey Lance is their guy Shanahan I'm so confident and again to Craig's point, oh, well, he's going to be going higher and higher. I get that. But in your, and again, everyone's answers for this are going to be different. But in your league with your friends, are your friends going to take, again, a guy who's played 200, uh, 250 snaps in 700 days over Kyler? No. Over Russell Wilson on Denver? Over Tom Brady? Are your friends going to take Trey Lance over Joe Burrow? Well, all my friends are from San Francisco, so yes. But okay, well, <laughs> you're a terrible example. Craig, Craig, but I think, generally speaking, Bay Area for the record, Trey Lance is probably going to be, even if he goes up, is still going to be the tenth quarterback because Joe Burrow in the Super Bowl. Someone likes Tom Brady. Someone likes Joe Burrow. Someone's excited about Russ in Denver, and it's like I just think Trey Lance is probably going to fall in most regular people's leagues. Sure, I'm like high stakes shit. Sure, he'll go higher. Yeah. I'm excited to see it. I'm excited to see if he is as good of a runner as we kind of think he is. Because he's definitely athletic. He's not Lamar Jackson. I don't even know if he's Jalen Hurts as a runner. But he's still pretty damn good. And he's going to run a lot, I think. So, I think that's a fair... That's a fair... We'll, we'll see. Again, I think the fact that... So when he came in last year, he hurt his finger, so he couldn't throw. I think the fact that they put him in and were like, yeah, just run like 16 times. I think that they're <laughs> yeah. clearly comfortable using him. Okay. Penn sold? Yeah, you sold it. I'm in.
Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Think about all the stuff you can do now on Sundays after the Super Bowl's over. Adventurous activities. You need a Hyundai to get you there. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure with features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive. You can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud or available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. DK, sell us um, another pen. That This is harder because you're already, I just got a pen from you, so now it's like, what I mean. So Craig mentioned Jalen Tober, which I thought was a very good pitch. And I just want to tell you, over the last three years, 2021, two top 24 receivers were rookies. uh, Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddell. Add in Amon Ross St. Brown last year, who was a top 10 receiver in the second half of the year. 2020, there were two top 24 receivers in half PPR. Justin Jefferson, Chase Claypool. Add in CeeDee Lamb, who also had a very strong second half. 2019, there was one top 24 receiver in A.J. Brown. But add in Terry McLaurin, who was the wide receiver 27. Debo was wide receiver 29. DK Metcalf was wide receiver 32. Rookie receivers produce, period. Like, this is my pitch. And while I understand that sometimes we gas up the wrong rookie receivers, we have to pick the right ones. Like, I think rookie receivers are absolutely worth investing in nowadays. More passing. Teams are more willing to let these guys play right away. And that's why I'm going to try and sell you guys on Chris Olave of the Saints, who right now is going as a wide receiver 46, 113th overall. I'm in. I'm sold. DK, can you hire me me at your company? I want to help sell pens with you. (laughs) I love this. So um, just reading the tea leaves, number one, I I took note, I think it was Nick Underhill uh, from NewOrleans.Football who said that he thinks the Saints are going to be a little bit more pass-oriented this year. You know, more more three-receiver sets. They're not going to be having Taysom Hill under center. Uh, Jameis Winston, in theory, is going to be healthy, though he did hurt his foot, I think. But I think he's going to be fine. Reading between the lines, it seemed like Sean Payton actually was probably more about, like, for all the thing about Drew Brees and Sean Payton passing— the new Saints with Pete Carmichael, who's been there for the entirety since Sean Payton was hired in 2006. Right. Pete Carmichael, who's the offensive coordinator, might actually pass more than Sean Payton. Yeah. And by the way, they're just more talented in the passing game now. Yes. Like last year, they were trotting out just random dudes because Michael Thomas was not playing. Um, it was like Marcus Calloway, who was a big disappointment last year, blah, blah, blah. There's, it's there seventh was just round a lot picks, of reasons. Undrafted free agents and Taysom Hill. Right. So. All that is to say, I think we're going to be seeing them pass a lot more this year, which is really good. Um, and Chris Olave could be literally the number two behind Michael Thomas. And if Michael Thomas ends up not playing ever this season, which I think is just still, he's just so volatile. Like this guy could be the number one for his team right away. He's he's a really mature route runner. He's very, very fast. Um, he can get down the field, stretch the field. I think that fits really well with what James Winston wants to do. Like that's Jameis Winston's style. He's not like a dump off guy. He's a vertical push the ball down the field, um, you know, stretch the defense, all that stuff. So I think that Olave um, is definitely worth taking in the first, like, you know, in the top 100 or something like that, like around 
10th, 11th round. And while you may not be able to play him right away, like he may be on your bench for a few weeks, I do think he could have a really strong second half. You see this from rookies all the time. Um, and so, yeah, I just really like this guy. You know, he kind of got docked coming into the NFL. Uh, well, you docked him, a- and this is what I want to ask you, because when we were doing the NFL draft show with Solak and you, and mm-hmm. they both played at Ohio State, you, I, my one of my favorite arguments that you guys had was that Solak liked Olave more than mm-hmm. Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson ended up going, what, 10th to the Jets, I think? And then Olave yep. went 12th to the Saints. You liked Something Garrett like Wilson more than Olave, so I'm curious, why was that? Uh, I, th- I just think that Garrett Wilson has a slightly more robust skill set. Olave is definitely finesse. That's kind of the deal. And he it's a yards after the catch thing, right? He doesn't have a, he he doesn't produce <laughs> yeah. yards after the catch. Yeah, he 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 doesn't play very physically. He does not run after the catch, which, you know, that's not everything, but like if you're if you're picking nits on a guy, um I still well, had him about I think, yards 16, after the catch. I had him 16th catches. overall. I still really liked him. Um but is it contested catches with the physicality? Like, is that the problem? No, I, he was second in his class at converted contested catches, Olave. I'm just talking about, he just, he was a zero in picking up yards at the catch. Like, yeah. basically, he's catch and fall down. Or if he catches the ball um, and is deep, he can outrun everybody at that point, which is great. But he's not like an elusive guy who's going to make Zach create, create on his own. <laughs> he's a really, really fast Zach Ertz. Um, <laughs> No, but to be clear, like I really like him. That's why I'm picking him up here and and really kind of excited about what he can do this year. Um, and again, it's like technique. He's a good route runner. There's some clips going around Twitter um, where he's just getting open immediately. It's really cool. Um, I think, again, his style fits with what the Saints want to do with what Jameis wants to do as a passer. So, um, yeah, I'm just I'm, I'm excited to see where this goes. Uh, and again, like he got ducked a little bit coming out. The other thing was, Heifetz, he was a fifth year se- senior or sorry, uh, fourth year senior uh, for Ohio State, which is, uh, you know, a little bit of a red flag. He, but he I, he really could have come out last year and probably would have been like a high second rounder and we would never would have like worried about it. So um, I'm not too worried about that aspect of it. But I mean, like the dude runs 4-3-9. Uh, he's going to get behind defenses. And it's also, I think, probably good. Like if Michael Thomas is kind of attracting a lot of the attention of the defense over the middle or whatever, um, that could just really open up him for some one-on-ones on the outside. I just think the Saints are one of the most undervalued fantasy teams of the season. The, with Jameis last year, they were 5-2 and two with Jameis. He was averaging 8.2 yards per attempt, a 14-3 to three touchdown-interception ratio, which is third in the NFL. They had one of the most injured offensive lines in the league. They were one of the most injured offenses in general in the league. Jameis was the number one QB in fantasy points per attempt when he played last year. The touchdown thing was I've, a little unsustainable. It but was, I, but my point is, is it's Jameis Winston we're talking about. Like, even if it's unsustainable, the fact that he was literally leading the NFL in yes. several categories is a positive sign. And with his deep throwing prowess, like Olave and him are a perfect match. And I think he'll probably uncork it a little more because Sean Payton to his course, so. I believe, yeah. kind of a Parcells guy. And it, it's all about turning nervous in the Parcells tree. And I kind of wonder if Jameis will be allowed, you know, a little more to be pushed the ball, which would be good for a lot of it. I like this one, DK. I'm in. Pencil. The other thing I wanted to add, I know that you're already in, but I just want to say this point because <sighs> I think it's important, is the Saints gave up a truly and genuinely insane amount of like picks to go <laughs> up and get a lot of it. So like, they're invested in this guy. Yeah, they have hard. a vision. <laughs> like They gave Obviously. up multiple first-round picks to trade up and get this guy. So yeah, they're invested, and I think he's going to be a huge part of what they want to do. All right, worth noting that Jameis Winston rolled his ankle today. He's supposed to be fine. If he's not fine, then we'll let you know, but he's probably fine. Okay, Craig, sell us another pen. 
I've done this one before, so I'll, I'll, I'll be brief. I think you guys have already purchased the pen. I'm going to see if you can buy another one. Although You're going to upsell us to like a cooler pen. Heifetz may have actually sold this pen on eBay after going to Giants Camp today, but <laughs> my pitch is what if I, what, what if I told you, it. you could draft a wide receiver outside of the top 100 that has the talent and opportunity to be a top 10 wide receiver in the NFL. That man's name is Kadarius Tony. Yeah. The man had elite stats as a rookie in the few games he played. He was often injured, but all the sticky nerd stats, the yards per route run in the top 10 uh, in the last decade of rookie wide receivers. He's had a pretty good camp. He's been relatively healthy. They're, they're kind of keeping him on the sidelines a bit, keeping him on ice, making sure he doesn't get overworked and injured a lot, which I know isn't great for a second. <laughs> um, second I, I, I was player. at Giants camp today. I can hear Heifetz just I'm just, let me, get, like, let me finish his the pitch. Eyes. Yeah. <laughs> Talent-wise, first of all, he is, he is healthy. I know they're like working on things, maintaining him, a lot of maintenance, but that's all right. A lot of players in the NFL. <laughs> you know what else needs a lot of maintenance? A fucking Ferrari. Ferrari. Lambo. Or something. Yeah. Maybach. Four, four months ago, we didn't know if this man was going to be on the Giants. And now he's running with the first team. He's no longer returning punts. He's running on the outside opposite Kenny Galladay. Kenny Galladay looks pretty disappointing. And Kadarius Tony is when he's on the damn field, is lighting it up and burning corners left and right. And... Like I said, going back to the eye test metric. Eye which, test. He's yes. the best receiver in the league. <laughs> in the world. Yeah. <laughs> That's like the super bad. He's like, he's the fastest kid in the world. He's yeah. the fastest kid in the world. He's the fastest kid in the world. kid in life. Watch him against the Saints and Cowboys last year, folks. And there's no denying that he's a top 10 receiver in the NFL. He just is. Here's my eye test for Gadarius Tony. My yes. eye test for Gadarius Tony is I didn't see him for uh, like 15 games. Because he's just not... He's. What's the availability thing? You know, the best abilities available. He, I, I, again, everything you're saying is right. And again, I, I, it's hard for me to separate at this point, like just being a jaded Giants fan that's seen 100 losses in the last 10 years versus just yeah. during the Joe Judge era from fantasy. So take everything I say here with a grain of salt. But I was literally at Giants camp today and just being there watching with my eye test and also just talking to people and also just having watched and followed the Giants for um just the entire Kadarius Tony uh, saga. I just am so utterly convinced this person is never going to play <laughs> multiple years of double digit games in a season. Like Kadarius Tony, just again, he was a quarterback in high school. He went to college to be like an athlete. He wasn't even a receiver, and he was like a gadget player. And then they had him receiver. He basically had like one truly healthy season in college, gets to the NFL. Um, I think he had seven injury designations last year. I can't yeah, search like that. Every part of his body. I feel hurt. like yeah. it's a record. At some point, the whole body is just an issue. And I, seriously, how many rookies had seven or eight different injury designations? Now, I'm being jaded. Everything I'm saying is probably priced into Craig. Because again, he does look incredible for like the two games he played. However, I'm at the point where, again, maybe this is just more of me as a Giants fan saying that as a Giants fan, I think a year from today, Giants fans will go into 2023 being like, wow, Wandale Robinson in this Brian Dable offense with hopefully Bryce Young at quarterback. I just think that that's probably the future. And Kadarius Tony just seemed, I, I can't remember being so ready for a player to disappoint me. 
as I have been for Kadarius Tony. <laughs> every single box Walking that you want chaos. to be checked. It's like, did he, I don't know, run routes in socks in his first practice because he forgot cleats that fit? Yes. Like, you know what I mean? It, it just... Uh, did that uh, happen? Yeah, it happened. Uh, yeah, that did happen. <laughs> so I don't know. Like, what, at some, is it again. worrisome? Yeah, it is. He has an incredibly high ceiling and incredibly low floor, I would say. The, the worst case scenario with Tony is like, you draft him. Week one, he has like eight catches for 112 yards and you're like, I'm a genius. And then he rolls his ankle in week two and he literally never does it again. Yeah, and you have to keep him on your team. But you continue to start him because you know the raw talent's there and he never delivers. That's like super possible with Kadarius Tony this year. But there is a small scenario. I mean, Mike Williams, again, I'm bringing it, always bringing it back to Mike Williams. One of the knocks on him is the guy couldn't stay healthy. I don't like to bet on injuries, except if it's right. CeeDee Lamb because that guy's just so skinny. <laughs> Also, we somehow said the wiry conversation didn't mention Devontae Smith. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to touch that. He's a bit wiry. Because <laughs> he might fall over. Kadarius Tony just, like, Hyvitz, if you could guarantee he played 17 games, where would you draft him? First. <laughs> <laughs> he just says very low probability of doing it just, that. It's not going to happen. No, I think, that, look, Kadarius Tony, you know, so I was at practice today, and I'm just like, where is Kadarius Tony? He's he's getting iced up. Listen, he's in his separate thing with God. <laughs> Ice up. You know how like you'll see reports of like the older veterans in practice. I remember like you know I don't know Jared Allen when he was thirty four or like I don't know Gronk. And you're like oh well you know this guy this thirty three year old you know I don't know any practice every day. You know we're we're just saving his body to get through the season. And they're doing that with Tony, and I'm like, isn't he like 23? It's got, you compared him to a car. DK, you just called him a Ferrari. Ferrari's doing maintenance. I look at it this way. You ever had a new car, and you had to take it to the shop, there's something wrong, and you go to the shop, you're like, wow, all the other cars in the shop are really old. <laughs> like, they're all like 15 years older than my car. Why is my car in the shop? That was how I felt watching Tony and Galladay just like, yeah, we got to manage his reps to get him through the season. Like, he's had one season in the NFL. Yeah, look, but that's in it. That's How priced dare in. You? That's priced in. You criticizing an NFL team for looking out for the health of their star receiver? I'm not criticizing the team. Player empowerment. I'm not criticizing. Bet bet on talent. He's Kawhi I'm, Leonard. I'm in, Craig. I'm in. Kawhi Leonard needs rest days, you know. But when he's on the court, top five player in the league. Also, by the way, being crazy is actually probably kind of good in football. <laughs> Let's be honest. That's a better take. I like that too. It's like, like, actually, it's good that Kadir is It's actually out. maybe a good thing if you're a little fucking crazy. Because, you know who's you know? insane? Antonio Brown, Michael Thomas. Pretty good wide receiver. Pretty good at football. <laughs> Don't lump them in together. Well, he's saying what, like, he's talking about like chaotic receivers from a personality point of view like there's been there's a very long list of chaotic diva receivers that have been really Terrell good. Owens I mean the list goes on and on <laughs> yeah so really should we downgrade all the receivers who are like respected by everyone around them and people why say do you cool? think Tyler Lockett's so low on all these ranks guys <laughs> Robert Woods he's too nice yeah 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 it's like what's the deal with Michael Pittman do people like him we should we should downgrade if Kadarius Tony was publishing a book of poems you know <laughs> Well, he kind of is. He's a rapper. Well, I was going to say, it's like literally that. It's a different style of poetry. Sure. Uh, I need Michael Pittman to come out and say, fuck everybody on my team. I'm better than all of them. Then I'll just fly out my This board. is a great take. I think Pittman's too boring. That's why I'm down on him. Like, I'm actually not that down on him, but like, I just am not as excited as I should be probably about Michael Pittman because I don't actually know if I've ever heard him say anything. Like, release an album, start a podcast. <laughs> I don't know. I can't remember a word he said ever. I don't know what he sounds like. 
Well, it doesn't help that he's on the Colts, and he plays with Matt Ryan, so you'll never find anything out. Is about it the him. most? Bo- is that the most boring quarterback wide receiver combo that's actually really good in the NFL? <laughs> Do you think there's Easily. anything? Other than like doing the triple crown, the like Cooper Cup, or winning the Super Bowl, is there anything Matt Ryan and Michael Pittman could do this year, literally to to make like your parents know who they are? Would they have to win the Super Bowl to do that? People know who Matt Ryan is. All right, fine, but you don't know anything about him. <laughs> I think Michael Pittman would have to get elected president for my mom to know who that is. <laughs> oh, man. oh my god. Where, who are we talking about? Kadarius? Yeah, okay. <laughs> Kadarius, I'm um, dude. All right. Yeah, he's I, so again. good. Ah, look at him. He's too good. Uh, you know what? How about this? Let me re- put it this way. Don't take my word on Kadarius Tony as DK, to use DK's word being, you know, a little crazy. Put it this way Kadarius Tony was drafted in the first round by Dave Gettleman. <laughs> And the Damn person it. who said, Drat, I can't believe the Giants took him was Urban Meyer. It's not great. It's not great. I'll I'll leave it at that. The, I do not think, honestly, look, we don't have to, that doesn't matter really because he was a really good well, it prospect. it helps my point. He was really good in college. He was, you know, playing alongside uh, Kyle Pitts. He was just putting up incredible numbers in the SEC. Like, I don't know. That's a that's a coincidental thing that is definitely like doesn't look great. I know, but it sounded funny. It wasn't his a floor point. was like the second round. It's not like <laughs> you're taking this too fall. seriously. I just thought it was funny to say. It does. It does sound bad though. You're right. <laughs> okay, and I laughed. Anyway. I laughed. Um, I yeah, Craig's right. I'm going to sell the the pen on eBay before he's just out for 14 <laughs> no. games. Okay, selling it on Craigslist. Um, what do we got next? Ha, funny. Am I up? Yeah, sure. That was yeah, sure. Enjoy. Sell your, me Craigslist joke. I didn't even think of that. It is it is Craig's Craig? That's your name, anyway. Yeah. Uh, yep, that's right. Guys, what if I told you that you could draft a guy who runs and catches the ball just like he's Dalvin Cook's little brother? <laughs> What's the catch? I preferred the Craigslist joke. <laughs> <laughs> there is no catch, Craig. He's on the Bills, who, as you may know, uh, are a good team. Is a good team. The Bills are a good team. Fast offense, wide open spaces. Josh Allen, really good quarterback. Look, I understand some of the concerns. He's not necessarily going to be the starter. Devin Singletary is sort of projected as the lead guy right now. Um, But for an offense that has one of the lowest early down run rates in the NFL, uh, one of the past happiest teams, one of the most aggressive teams, one of the like highest tempo teams in the NFL, um, I think that the running back, I think that this running back, the pass catching running back could have more value than people think. Granted, it hasn't really been the case, but uh, over the last couple of years, because uh, Devin Singletary has absolute stone hands and Zach Moss has not developed as they thought he would. Um, basically, they haven't really had anybody that is a good pass catcher out of the backfield. They tried to sign J.D. McKissick in the offseason to a two-year, $7 million deal, which isn't nothing for a running back like McKissick. Um, he ended up flipping and going back to Washington, pissed him off. They were mad. They are upset, so they drafted a guy in the second round. I think that this is a signal that they're trying to tell us that what they want to do. They're not trying to tell us. They are just telling us what they want to do. They want to get their backs more involved in the passing game um, because mainly, well, number one, schematically, it's just another way to beat defenses, but also it takes some pressure off of Josh Allen to be the runner, to take so many hits. So I think long-term, that's a big focus for them. And that's why I think that James Cook could have more value than we think. And by the way, they're already talking him up as a runner. Like he's he's a different style runner than they have on this team right now. He's a little bit more of a slasher, more explosive. Um, so he could get some work on the ground too. Anyways, I like Cook. I like where he's going. He's he's RB forty right now. 
Um, and I think he could be an RB2 this year. I think this is a really fun one. I think James Cook is extremely talented. This is definitely a 10x guy because I'm look, look, gun to my head. It's like, I think this is a three man backfield with Singletary and Zach Moss and, and James Cook, and everyone just kind of vaguely disappoints. Yeah. Could but happen. This is exactly the spirit of the exercise because if James Cook separates himself, it's like, like the poor version of Alvin Kamara. I believe Singletary was like the RB7 over the last like seven or eight games last year down the stretch. He took I think over he was the, the RB3. He was like top three in the in December. Okay, there you go. Even better. I think, honestly, and that's like the upside you get with an offense like this that's going to score a lot of touchdowns. They're going to pass the ball a lot, a lot of volume, good quarterback. Um, and, they're you know, they're playing in a really wide open, stacked AFC. And so they're going to have to like put their pedal to the metal, I think. And so... Um, I don't know, man. I just think he has a chance to really, really outplay where he's going. There's definitely a floor here, and it's lower than you want um, because it could, like you said, just be a three-headed monster and be really annoying. But there's just a world in which he's the best runner on this team, too, and he just gets all the work. Yeah, I'm, I, 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 think that the, I think the receiving work is probably where he comes in. I don't think there's a world where he's going to get all the rushing work, but I think the receiving work, which, again, is extremely... Well, no one gets form. all the rushing work, but yeah, I think, you know... The, I, I agree with you. Like he's going to get more valuable touches than Singletary because if he's going to be utilized in the passing game, you know that in PPR and half PPR, that is like he he could potentially be a RB two this year, and like really not that hard to to reach that. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. While we're talking about Cook and 10x guys, I kind of want to go through a couple like of the of these other handcuffs we've got because Cook is like not really handcuffed, but these kind of high upside second running back options. Right. I'll buy the pen on Cook, but I also do, I want to go through some other ones because there's I think Cook is kind of at the bottom of this tier of like they're not really handcuffs. Obviously, handcuff is when you have the second running back behind the guy, and it's like if the guy gets hurt, that's the guy. But there's the the elite tier of like AJ Dillon for the Packers, Tony Pollard for the Cowboys, Cream Hunt for the Browns. James Cook maybe is the bad version of that where those guys actually have value on their own. Like they don't mm-hmm. actually need an injury. It's like they're good. And then if someone ahead of them got hurt, they'd be like a top five running back maybe. So would you put James Cook in that group or would you put him more in like the handcuff, handcuff territory where it's like if a guy gets hurt, then right. they're great. But if he doesn't, like they're useless. Like Alex Madison for the Vikings, something like that. I do think he's... Somewhat similar to like a Pollard. He hasn't proven it, clearly. Um, so that's why I think you'd have Pollard significantly higher. A lot of people have him higher, I'm sure. Um, because Pollard has done it on the NFL field, and they, and we've all seen how good he is. Um, but I think he's in that archetype where he might end up being not the starter, not the nominative, like nominal starter or whatever. Um, but he's going to get valuable touches. They're going to use him in different ways. Like he's... You know, look, I understand that we always say this in the preseason and it never really happens, but like he's been doing like he's been working out with the receivers at practice. Like he is a good pass catcher, so they could lie in theory line him up in different spots. There is no entrenched established slot receiver for the Bills right now. Um so I don't know. I it, the the upside is there, but I would still rank him slightly lower than like Dylan Pollard Hunt, but I do think he is in that archetype. He's in that sort of tier of guys because he is going to have in my mind standalone value. 
if we if we pinned him up against another guy that you sold us today on Kenneth Gainwell, who would you rather have? I would I would have James Cook way above Kenneth Gainwell. I have yeah, I do too. I've got him about thirty spots higher. I I like Gainwell, but I like Cook more. I think Cook has a higher floor, um, and the offense. I think just what they're trying to tell us, like he could get more looks. Um, the way that they really prioritized, you know this this type of receiver, this type of, sorry, this type of player, this type of running back in their offense, this offseason. I just think they're telling us that they want to use him more. So, um, but I, I mean, I like them both. They are kind of similar. I think Gainwell is going to have standalone value too. But that's a good note on all this. We're not saying go and get these guys with like the 70th pick. We're saying that these guys were that you can get them in your draft are insane values. So we're kind of saying like you kind of, you know, if you have to reach them a little bit, that's cool. But reach for them by like one round. Don't reach for them by three. And then if you, you know, you just only have to reach one round to get these guys. And then they're a huge value. That's kind of what we're saying. While we're on 10x guys, I want to do quick handcuff rank or just discussing the handcuff guys. Because the thing with the handcuff is like, it's not like all 32 teams have a running back or a good backfield, but basically among the guys where if a running back got hurt ahead of them, these people would inherit like a lot of the work. Like they would basically be a top 10, maybe a top 12 option every week. And I just kind of want to go through those guys. Alex Madison for the Vikings is like the king of this 10 X guy of like Alex Madison. If Dalvin cook is out, Alex Madison's like a top five running back legitimately. Yeah. I don't even know if he's that good. He, they just get so many touches that he ends up get, <laughs> getting a hundred yards and a touchdown every week. Maybe that would change with the new coaching staff. But for right now, I think Alex Madison is still the, the creme de la creme. Uh, Daryl Henderson for the Rams. Do we feel he's in this category? Because like uh, the Sean McVay seems to like not really fully believe in Henderson getting the full workload. I kind of still see him in this range. There, there has been some talk lately that they're going to do like a split with him and Akers. But I still I will more like it's like I'll believe that when I see it type of deal, because that's just not what McVay's done generally as a coach. Um in terms of like that that type of backfield split up. So I think Henderson is more of like he's going to need Akers to either go down or be terrible. Yeah, I mean, if Akers gets hurt, if you look at Daryl Henderson last year, I mean, he he was getting like 17, 18 touches a game. Yeah, he was yeah. good. Decent. All right. Other handcuff. If DeAndre Swift went down, Jamal Williams to the Lions, I do think would get a lot of the work for Detroit. Also, he's on Hard Knocks tonight. It's Tuesday. I cannot wait. It's my yeah. guy. I cannot wait. Then they released Didn't the video. did you see his speech? Yes. I love that guy. He's the man. <laughs> See, if he were a receiver, he'd be terrible because he's like, you know, beloved. That's right. Um, Deontay Foreman, maybe for the Panthers, if he wins the job behind Christian McCaffrey, maybe, maybe. Yeah, yeah I can see it. You I can, can kind of just pencil in the McCaffrey backup. I mean, you could yeah. probably pencil in the Derrick Henry backup. Well, you want guys that are going to get the job if they get hurt, not like, oh, we're in a committee and now it just sucks. So yeah. we could maybe rule him out. I like Deion. I do think Deontay Foreman actually would get a lot of work if McCaffrey went down. Uh, Khalil Herbert for the Bears. We talked about him. He's almost more of just a committee guy now. Herbert, yeah. Herbert might be graduated. The, uh, we don't know exactly how this is going to all pan out, but like by the time this, like he could be end up being like a Pollard slash Gainwell like type of ru running back where he has actual standalone value week in and week out. Yeah, I think he graduated from this exercise actually. Well, we're basing this on like one blurb from a coach like well i i I need to see it still kind of deal before i'm gonna really like move him a ton um because our, i mean like am i wrong in, like in we're like basically like hundred we're basically like basing everything on the coaches we're like yeah we're gonna rotate guys. no we're not aren't we well what else are we much moving them up i'm not saying take khalil herbert at the top 100 i'm saying i think that khalil no, no, herbert no, 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 will no. have a role in the bears i offense. know but you're saying he graduated like i don't know if i really graduated from what i'm saying like i'm saying he graduated from like he, he shouldn't be next to deontay foreman he has standalone value 
Yeah, exactly. Clear Herbert. We think. We think. Well, we don't know. Well, yes, we don't know yeah. anything. This is fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm saying if like there's like Shut if up, a 12 Craig. team league and there's eight yeah. by and there's eight teams on by and you need a flex, it's like, yeah, you could throw in Khalil Herbert. Calm down, down, DK. It's fantasy football. It's, fantasy <laughs> it's soccer. Football. It's soccer. Fuck you, no, man. man. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, let's go to the emails real quick. Um, couple emails. Got an email from Tanner who basically said he's arguing. Tanner. 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 He's arguing with his league about waivers of free agent auction budget. We get this every year. He said, how do I convince my league? All right. Really simple. This one's a softball. I just threw this out there for you guys. We get this every year. Swing away. I think it's, it's like a little PSA. So waivers is a couple ways to do it, but either reverse standings. Ever. So the last place guy in your league or the person who came in the fewest points that week gets the first dibs on the free agents. And that happens. And then you go in reverse order, which is annoying if if especially in the beginning, if you start one and zero, and then you just, someone gets some guy who's after the season and you get the backup, but you know, and then waivers happen. And then after that's free agency. And then it's just like the free for all from like Wednesday to Saturday. That's like how most people do it. I would argue this it's is an dumb. insanely outdated relic from the days when, as Bill Simmons would say, they actually had to add up the goddamn scores by box score by hand on Monday and then mail everyone your standings. That's when this is from. The idea that you can pick up any player at any time is just not doesn't work in the age where Adam Schefter is just tweeting out news and the per first person who sees Adam Schefter's tweet that this player is hurt and out for the week and you can just pick up their backup. Like It should not just be whoever was on Twitter first getting It does players. work out generally well for people like us who are on our computers and Twitter all day long. Um, yeah, we're losers. We shouldn't it's get the advantage. Fair. Yeah. So anyway, I, I just for a thousand reasons. Also, it's just kind of dumb that the person in last is getting the advantage every week. So yes. instead, what I could not recommend higher that everyone uses is free agent auction budget, which is you get like a hundred bucks and you can bid on players and it happens on Tuesday and you can set it for what you want. You can set it for every morning at 11 in the morning to you can set it for just like, you know, Tuesdays or Wednesdays and then Fridays and Sundays. You can change it. it, it you can set it in ways that you can like you can make it work with your league schedule. But the point is, if your three running backs all go down in the same week and you're like desperate, you'll just pay more to get their backups. If you know what I mean? And it's just, it's capitalism. It's just like whoever wants the thing pays the most, you get it. So highly recommend free agent auction budget and don't be beholden to whoever's just on their phone the most getting the play. I mean, it's objectively better. It is. All right. We got an email from Tyler about vodka. Tyler. This is the definitive take from Tyler right here on vodka. He said, so Stolishnia Elite and Beluga Gold are easily the two best vodkas in the world where I would actually pair them with food like caviar, ceviche, pickled herring. Oh, pish posh. Wow. This is like yeah, legit shit right here. What is, what is our demographic here? I love having caviar and vodka <laughs> on Saturday for dinner. I just do that with, with this watching Sunday at one o'clock. I just whip out the Stolishnia Elite. Next time you got friends over and they want apps, caviar and Beluga Gold. Yeah, honestly, apps are on Tyler next time. Okay, he also says the potato <laughs> vodkas like Chopin are great. And then he says absolute is is veggie trash. <laughs> Goose is heads and shoulders above Belvedere. I think Grey Goose is overrated. Also, hasn't that been scientifically proven that Grey Goose is overrated? I don't know. It's What's called the Grey Goose effect. And he says best bang for the buck is Smirnoff. I have mixed feelings on all these thoughts from Tyler. I uh, Looking up Beluga Gold <laughs> seems to be around 130 to $200. Per bottle. So not cheap. Dude, I'm telling you, Purity Vodka, which is like half that price, is probably just as good. Tyler, what's your thought on Purity Vodka? Hit us up. 
Also, it's not. It's $28 for Purity Vodka. It's the best oh, his other one that he have. put down, Stolichnia Elite or whatever, however you pronounce it, is... Stoli. Uh, that's only like 40 to 60 bucks. That's pretty good. Stoli Elite? Have I not... What is Stoli Elite? I'm looking this up. Oh, what is this bottle? It doesn't even look like Stoli. Is this affordable? Maybe I'll buy it. Is this. it the same brand? Well, yeah, but I just... I've never... I assume so. Usually I'm like team no free ads, but you know what? Shut up, Purity. Purity is incredible. Well, yeah, it just looks like this is like the 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 nicer version of Stoli. It's like how like Honda has Nissan, you know? It's <laughs> a good. I like that. Every 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 uh, like traditional car company always like it's like Honda has Nissan, Toyota has Lexus. Lexus. Well, that Lexus is the other direction because Toyota is like nicer than Lex, or, no, uh, no, no, no. Lexus, Lexus is, is nicer, nicer than Toyota is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Is Nissan better than Honda? Oh, wait, no, I'm sorry. Honda has- Nissan an, doesn't own Nissan, yeah. Honda has Acura, and I don't know what's going on with Nissan. I don't know. We should look this up. Do you think we had an ad for a Hyundai Tucson in this episode? <laughs> okay, well, you know what? Uh, Tyler's really bougie, and thank you for- um, I, I guess everyone here is just freaking eating Grey Poupon. And, like, He's knowledgeable, man. I give yeah, him respect. Sure. Okay. All right, that's all we got. Thank you, Tyler. E email us your vodka thoughts or Kadarius Tony thoughts or just uh, actual fantasy football questions to ringerfantasyfootballgmail.com. Check out fantasyfootball.theringer.com of our rankings. You can yell at us or thank us when we're right or just yell at us when we're wrong. Whatever. Thank you, DK. Thank you, Craig. What were you going to say, Craig? I was going to say, now that we're really kind of getting into draft season, send us your fantasy course. We want to start doing fantasy courts again. Those are like our, our favorite segments. Yeah. And questions. And also, if you don't think we're explaining things, well, like, ask us. We'll get back to you. We'll read it on the show. Let us know. Email us at Ringer Fantasy Football. Yeah, we'll do a mailbag in August for sure. So ask us questions. Thank you, Lauren. Lauren. Thank you, Young Joka. That's my boy. Topical. It, Topical. Did I do that before? I feel like I maybe I stole it. I don't know if order. you did, Young Joka. That, by the way, for everyone who is wondering, is Kadarius Tony's rap name. Uh, we did talk about it, but... On Google, if you just search Young Joka, and then you scroll down to the people also ask section of the Google results, it says, who is Young Joka? And if you open it up, it says, Young Joka is an up-and-coming rapper from Alabama. Known for his melodic and soft-textured voice, similar to Gunna, with a splash of Young Thug. They don't even mention that he's Kadarius Tony. <laughs> That's good. I like that. Shout out to the um, one of Kadarius Tony PR employee who wrote that for him. Yeah. <laughs> That's good work with the SEO. That he's Kadarius Tony. <laughs> no, you got to get the separate. Yeah, he wants to succeed on his own. You can't coast off those two games he's going to have every year. Where I mean, he is. Because <laughs> no. we're fucking excited about it. So he already is coasting excited. off those two games. Well, you're not. Craig and I are. Yeah, Craig I and I are Team Tony. I'm ready to be hurt. It's going to be week four. I hope I'm wrong, but I don't think that we've had a Giants-related take on this show where I actually ended up being totally incorrect. True. That is true. Mostly because I've just been extremely pessimistic about them for five years, and it's just worked. It, pay, it has paid to be pessimistic <laughs> about Giants. I've been super optimistic about a single oh, Giants-related well. thing for five years. Saquon this year. Saquon will be good. Yeah. All right. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>